to the USA Hockey Podcast, a youth sports conversation focused on providing players, coaches, and parents with engaging and informative content that they can use at home and at the rink. Tune in as we chat with some of the greatest people around ice hockey and youth sports. Join the discussion on Twitter at USA Hockey Coach. Now, let's drop that puck. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the USA Hockey Podcast. My name is Zachary Nowak, and today we are welcomed on by one of the greatest individuals in USA Hockey's long history, former president of USA Hockey, Ron Gregorio. So, Ron, welcome on. Thank you, Zach. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll probably end up coming back um, and calling you Digger quite a few times. Um, so for those Please when do. you hear Digger, I'm, I'm mentioning Ron here. So um, Please do. yeah, but there's a lot of things I want to get into uh, today. But as we were talking about at the start of this, uh, before we started recording, I think one of the listeners favorite things has been listening to some of the history of of people that are with USA Hockey or uh, in the hockey um, uh, space. So I wanted to get really start from the beginning for you here, Digger, and hear about your youth sport journey. Well, when I, I played hockey, again, we didn't have as much organized hockey uh, as we have now. Obviously, uh, A-House uh, was the name for USA Hockey at the time uh, was um, still developing in in the in youth uh, hockey and it had some local programs, but frankly, USA Hockey at the time, again called A House, was more involved with junior hockey, and uh, we did have a lot of activity. Remember, I was born in 1946. I'm 76 right now. I'll be God willing, 77 shortly. And um, in, in that era, we did a lot of pond hockey, a lot of um, hockey, which was uh, uh, stick hockey, you know, uh, street hockey, et cetera. And um, so I started that way. And then I, I went to uh, Boston Latin School here in Boston. And um, I no one knew who I was and whether or not I could play hockey at all. So no, there was no scouting on 12 and 13 year old players at the time. And um, I made the um, the Boston Latin team. And in fact, I remember starting off as a, a 13th string uh, JV goaltender. Uh, they gave me the, at least the opportunity to get on the ice. And by the end of the first year, I was in the varsity, ironically. Um, but I didn't have any style or any activity. I never had any formal training. I just loved the sport. Um, one anecdote, my parents never saw me play but once in my career. And that was uh, um, when I was with Middlebury College and um, we were playing in Merrimack and they had my parents uh, chauffeured to the rink because uh, they knew they had never seen me play hockey before. So I did not have the same pressures that the kids have these days. Uh, my parents were um, great parents, but um, they weren't into sports. My dad was an extremely excellent musician and he got me into music as well. And I had to make the change around 15 on what I was going to do. But my early days was basically playing in the pond with older players. Obviously I was a younger player um, and where do they stick me in? They stuck me in the goal. 
and that's how I learned the position and um, was enamored by goaltenders like uh, Jacques Plante and Gump Worsley, et cetera, in, in our era. So that that's my early introduction. I when I got it into Boston Latin um, and played varsity. I got scouted and uh, I ended up playing at Middlebury College. And then from Middlebury College, I did play for uh, in the New England League at that time, which was like a uh, semi-professional league, and then played for Team USA in 1970-71. Uh, so that's that's been my hockey background in terms of on the ice. Since then, I have played up to through 73 years old. When the pandemic hit, I thought I would hang up. Uh, well, they closed some of the rinks, uh, as you know, during that period. And I thought I didn't want to screw up my uh, um my golf game. So I decided, uh, you know, enough was enough, you know, when it's gone, let it go and uh, be thankful for what still remains. So anyway, that's pretty much my on ice playing. I played uh, uh, for several years with teams uh, that traveled throughout the United States as senior teams. Most of us were ex-pros or ex-Olympians um, or uh, high performance uh, college players. And uh, so I had a great experience on the ice. Yeah, I, I always love seeing seeing the uh, the picture. Steve Thompson always shows it. And Steve was uh, one of the first people on uh, on this podcast. But it's the picture of you with the USA jersey on. And then you at I, just a few years back, I think, still strapping the pads on. So I, I think that's just such a fantastic picture. And it, and it talks about really what I think USA hockey is all about is creating lifelong, you know, hockey enjoyers, right? Lifelong hockey players. And, um, right. We, we still see that with how crazy some of the, uh, some of the adult events get, which I really would love to get out there and, uh, to your point, kind of get on the pond because we've had so many people on here who talk about how their journey started in the exact same place you're talking about with, uh, which is on the pond. So, um, so before we get into your USA hockey stuff a little bit more, um, I wanted to talk about you started the Boston Bruins mini one-on-one. -on -one. Can you tell me how did that start and how did that kind of grow into what it is now? Because it's pretty much all over the Boston Bruins uh, network and, and TV. So, Yeah, well, actually, I got a call in, in nine, actually 50 years ago, just a couple of months ago, from... Um, our executive director, actually our first executive director at A House, now USA Hockey, um, Hal Trumbull. And he asked me if I would not take over the position of, uh, of a registrar for the New England district. The New England district um, was made up of uh, all the states in New England at that time, including Massachusetts. They bifurcated a few years after I left as a I think it was the last year I was as registrar, maybe the year after. At any rate, um, I had played with uh, Team USA, as I mentioned. Hal was the uh, was the um, general manager of the team, and that's why he gave me a call. I had also met uh, Walter Bush. We were stationed uh, for our training at the Met Center, and uh, and Walter was the um, managing director for the Minnesota North Stars, one of the founders of it. So anyway, at any rate, I then um, met with um, the owner of the Boston Bruins at the time, 
Um, and um, that's that was Westy Adams Jr. And and Westy said, hey, I can help you. I can give you uh, an office so that you could um, focus with a place for your work. Obviously, I was a non, what I call an unpaid professional. I don't call them volunteers because most of our volunteers are really unpaid professionals who work so diligently in what they, and they take with them some of the skills they have in the real world and help um, amplify what they're doing for USA Hockey and, and the results. So um, I had that office. I, I hired uh, uh, someone to be my assistant uh, in that office. And the thought came to me that uh, we, we needed more exposure for youth hockey at the time. You always need as much exposure. So with the connection with the Boston Bruins, who were on WSPK Channel 38, I met uh, Bobby Whitelaw, who was then the general manager of the um, of the station manager. And he, um, he and I had a great uh, conversation and we decided to start a show called Mini One-on-One. -on -One. Now, why was it Mini One-on-One? -on -One? Well, there used to be a one-on-one -on -one way back on the NBC network. It was a one shooter against it was a penalty shot basically and it was done between periods i think of the nbc so that was the genesis of the idea but we're going to do this with children i mean with players and by the way we had girls we had everybody from in the first series from mites all the way up to um uh, midgets i think is in, in our program so that's how it started and um, we got a sponsor for it. Um, it became very popular because the kids could be on the Boston Bruins ice and uh, play. Um, you know, in, in, the penalty shot was the first shot. We, over the years, changed it to two on, uh, two on one, three on two with the penalty shot. So there was, very obviously, we needed to make changes periodically in it. And depending upon the amount of time that we had available between periods to showcase it uh, on the uh, Bruins network. Anyway, that's how it started 50 years ago, 5-0 this year. They called me up uh, just the other day and said, uh, Digger, um, I, I generally have been there for both. I used to do the, uh, the color broadcasting for the first 20 or 30 years when the uh, show was on WSBK. It's now on the Nesson network. And uh, there's a different uh, group, but they've been very, very kind to, to me and to the program. And um, um, it's still popular, but uh, that's how we started it way back when. Yeah, that's it, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's so cool to see because I, I was even watching videos this morning on the mini one on one and seeing I mean, you mentioned it's it's all age groups, and I even saw one that was uh, there were some sled players out there. They had a mini one on one top ten plays of the week or something like that, and it was right. it was actually really it was awesome to watch. And I would imagine for some of these young kids, um, not only is this exposure to youth hockey, but I mean, this is uh, an event that kids are going to walk away from remembering for years. And and once again, when we look at light you know, developing lifelong hockey players. Um, I would imagine that this is one pretty significant event for those kids. So 
Yeah, I, I think I want to shout out to the Boston Bruins who have been very, very uh, generous in continuing it. Uh, Mike Mike Doggin uh, from the youth department of the the uh, of the group of, of the Bruins uh, has done a wonderful job carrying on the tradition, and has been very respectful for what we are doing it for. We're we're giving an opportunity for children, players to not only play on the ice but be seen by other players who they play with, who say, hey, I played with that uh, that fella. Um, and it just continues the enthusiasm and the inspiration uh, for kids to continue with the sport and enjoy it. That's awesome. And and so really, you you mentioned how important it was to to give exposure to youth hockey and and really grow uh, the game of, of USA hockey. And you mentioned it already, too, that you started with USA Hockey started as a registrar for, I think you said the New England district and kind of worked your way through USA Hockey for quite a long time. Um, so can you share your journey, kind of some of the, the many different roles and hats that you wore in your journey with USA Hockey and some of the experiences you had along the way? You know, I, I knew you would ask me that. And so I had to uh, um, put down it. In, in written form, uh, what functions I had when. Now you're going to have to fact check some of these things. Uh, it's funny with, it, as you grow older, you're not sure of the dates, but I think these have been uh, um, <laughs> sanitized a bit. So, uh, but basically in 1973, again, that's when I became registrar of New England. I did that for three, um, um, actually three or four years, and uh, I became the first youth council member. We did not have a youth council until 1975. Um, so we had juniors, and, and a lot of us had worked on uh, restructuring USA Hockey to reflect what we wanted to be and in the future, as well as the current and so we had the first youth council and the first I was the first youth council vice president and uh, was such from 75 to 81, after which I needed a little break, but they made me director at large from 81 to 85. And then uh, around 19, actually 84 to 85, I was assisting the USA Hockey treasurer, actually a house treasurer at the time. Um, and uh, from 1995 to 1994, I was the treasurer of the organization. We had some difficult times uh, uh, before that, uh, with respect to some um, litigation issues, and um, uh, they asked me to be treasurer um, from, uh, excuse me, 1985 to 1994, I was uh, actually the treasurer. And then um, after that, I became uh, vice president international from 1994 to 2003. And I guess at that point, uh, the I guess the uh, item that was most important, I think, during that period was the establishment of the National Team Development Program. And there again, we wanted to, in, with the National Team Development Program, have a program that uh, was, was, was a little bit alike uh, that TV show uh, Fame, if you remember, with the you know the school that had the the arts and, and crafts, et cetera, and as well as education, and that's how we really looked at it. I I looked at it a, a little differently as things went along, and uh, as you know, we um, I was I was um, 
an ROTC graduate um, uh, during that uh, when I was in college, and um, you know you had three ways of becoming an officer. One is was ROTC, Officers Candidate School in West Point. I thought what we would do is establish something that had um, um, a, a solid base in educating the whole player. We, we we knew we were going to have some great players, but we wanted to make sure that everyone got out of that program as great people, both socially, educationally, as well as in the skill that they had, uh, they brought with them and moved forward with through the process. And, and uh, you know, hats off to Jeff Jackson and Bob Mancini and the others, uh, Scott Monahan, that were part of that pioneering group, which we hired in um, 1995, it really started in 1996, the program. But um, they they've done they did a great job in giving us a foundation, and and the successors to them have really built on what was done by their predecessors. And by the way, later on, I'll talk about the goaltending program, and I I see that same positioning with our successors for those who founded that original uh, piece of developmental activity for goaltenders, uh, carrying it on and adding to it. So it's not one year, 20, uh, 10 times for a person to, in the program to establish itself. It's really a 20 year program or 15 year program where building blocks are made uh, from one uh, administration to, to the next. So I became the vice president of national that was our focal point for that period uh, was the establishment and the uh, solidification of the National Team Development Program, which had some difficulties initially uh, being accepted, but um, over time it's been uh, uh, well accepted. Um, as you as you understand, success has a, a thousand fathers and uh, and failures uh, are orphans. But uh, this was definitely. Um, um, worthy of parenthood. So from there, um, in 2003, I became president of USA Hockey from then to 2016. We had several pieces to our vision at that point. A lot of them had to do with uh, administration uh, with respect to online registration, improving our data collection, establishing a, a USA Hockey captive. I'll get into that a little bit more. Um, in, in retrospect, uh, but basically uh, that was what I thought my administration uh, with the people we had and the great staff and great executive co committee that we had uh, would be able to uh, use that time to achieve. And then I became in 2016, the USA Hockey co-chairman with uh, Walter Bush um, until Walter's passing. Um, and I uh, became the chairman until 2021. The chairman's role really was because of the International Ice Hockey Federation rules at the time. Um, I became um, on the, uh, was a member of the IHF uh, Executive Council um, uh, uh, beginning in 2016, uh, frankly. I had to have that uh, chairman's role uh, for at, at that time to uh, be elected, uh, or at least be eligible to be elected. It wasn't easy to get elected, but um, uh, we were able to do that. And I became chairman of the um, um, legal committee. And as 
chairman of the legal committee, we had to have governments reform some of what USA Hockey had to do in the last several years uh, required by the uh, IOC at the time. And we were able to uh, get that accomplished, no easy task. And, uh, and among the changes we made, we no longer needed to have the CEO of the uh, national organization uh, to be uh, nominated. It had to be uh, someone that was recommended by the national governing body, but not in a formal position. So um, we no longer have that impediment uh, that we had. Uh, and that's why in 2021, um, I did not uh, run for re-election as chairman. I said, there's no need for it, especially since we were going through our own USA Hockey's uh, government's reform. And it, it made sense for them to have a clean slate from which they could build a model that made sense for the modern time. So right now, I'm a president emeritus. Um, I, I call myself basically a senior advisor when I'm asked to uh, for advice. Yeah, that's that's absolutely incredible just to hear the amount of things that you are a part of, the amount of roles that you've had within USA Hockey and um, the being a part of what is now considered, um, I would say, one, maybe it's my opinion, but one of the best uh, development teams really in the world. Um, they've done a tremendous job over the last few years of, of building up some pretty good hockey players coming out of, uh, out of NTDP. So, um, you know, all of this and all of the things that you've done and the countless sacrifices that you've made for USA Hockey to help um, help it grow leading up to, obviously you re you received the Lester Patrick award in, in 2002 and were inducted into the U S hockey hall of fame in 2015. And then most recently, I thought this was astounding. I didn't even, I had no idea. Um, but the USA hockey builders award and, you know, for all of the things that you've done with USA hockey. And by the way, for those listening, I didn't know this, but this hasn't been, this award hasn't been given out since 2015. And it's been presented seven times in its entirety. Um, so I'm sure all of those honors are pretty special to you. Um, but, you know, what did those honors mean? And then ultimately, really, Ron, I, I want to know what motivates you to give so much back to hockey? Well, um, thank you for the, uh, the accolade. I, this, uh, this award is given as I'm, I'm looking at it now. And uh, it's presented to the architects of USA Hockey, leaders who have made lasting contributions to the long-term growth and success of USA Hockey and distinguished themselves through their dedication, vision, and love of the game. Uh, it's, it, I was very shocked to get it. Um, as you said, it's been only given to seven others uh, who I, I wanted to be part of. Um, I, I said in a couple of awards to Lester Patrick, but more importantly, the Hockey Hall of Fame when I was inducted, I, I, I believe this strongly. I stood in that position because of the work of others. We had a great team. We had a great vision, vision of growth and a positive mindset. And that was the reason why we were so successful. We made deals that you would not make these days on handshakes. One that survived that 
for from the time we we made it was with the National Hockey League. We work with the National Hockey League, and they support a lot of our programming, uh, especially in the high performance end of it, um, on a handshake. And I, I feel comfortable with that because we have to prove ourselves day in and day out. As I mentioned, we don't have volunteers. We have unpaid professionals that have roles to play to maintain that integrity and that high uh, standard of excellence that is necessary to maintain a relationship, whether it be a marriage or a business enterprise, or in this case, a hockey organization. And um, I thank the NHL for what they've done and they've stepped up to the plate when things were necessary. And I think we've helped as well in establishing a, a reputation that uh, um, has a high standard. Um, so what motivates me? Um, I think it's all the people that we serve. Uh, we are a membership services organization that happens to be in the hockey business. Um, we're also a nationally governing body. Those are two different pieces and we have to do both well. Um, the governing body issue is obviously being uh, high developers of the sport and high developers of the everybody in the sport. That that goes to coaches, referees, players, parents, um, administrators. Those those are the things that we need to be um, uh, to to be successful. So what motivates me is what I see uh, with the young people that are coming into the sport. It's great for us who are, uh, let's say a little bit uh, older uh, to see that and see the enthusiasm and motivation that they show in continuing what the standards are and improving on them, frankly. So um, I think that's what motivates me and gives me the best uh, reward and smile but it's because of because of the work of others that i have earned these awards they've earned the awards with me i feel that way well that's fantastic and i know that everyone that that i've talked to that's ever worked with you has has enjoyed your presence and um now kind of transitioning into really what you're doing now. And you mentioned it a little bit. You wanted to go back to goaltending. Um, and I will say I've been fortunate enough to kind of be involved in some of the conversations you all have had. And that's why I reference the fact that I think that um, you've been a tremendous job being a leader for, for everyone. And um, I understand, you know, why so many have, have loved working with you and for you and, and everything like that. Um, so I, I do want to get into the, the goaltending side because I know that has always been a huge piece for you. Um, so can you tell me what is what are you all currently working on within your, your goaltending group? Well, basically, uh, we started uh, this in 2015. Uh, when I retired, they, they had uh, raised some money and they asked me, where would you like the money to go? And I said, I'd like to to go to our goaltending development activity and specifically um, the grassroots uh, goaltending development activity. 
under the American Development Model, which we created in uh, 2009, as you know, Zach, and um, and frankly, uh, again, thanks to our uh, partner, uh, the NHL, has really um, developed a grassroots uh, impetus for development, not only for goaltenders, but for um, hockey players and and referees and uh, and also coaches. So. Um, that money was going to be directed directly for the goaltending manager for our grassroots initiatives within our affiliates and districts. We have uh, 34 uh, affiliates in 12 districts in the uh, in USA Hockey. So we wanted to make sure that we had someone overseeing the goaltending elements um, and setting up a, an infrastructure. And that was done right from 2015, uh, Joe Exter and, and and others that followed him, and now Steve Thompson have done a magnificent job in building on the work of their predecessors and putting more assets to work in the grassroots for goaltending development. So um, we do have, by the way, and we have had predating 2009, a national goaltending coach who is cur currently centered at the National Team Development Program. And uh, this position leads our goaltending development efforts in the high performance space. So our high performance goaltender development is geared for those goaltenders who are on the journey to represent the United States in the national competition. So that's more part of our, our, national, uh, our national governing body, I'll call it NGB function as opposed to the uh, ADM, the American Development Model, and the goaltending development there that is really part of our membership services organization, building the grassroots uh, elements so that they can filter up to, um, uh, to either more recreational hockey, as I played until 73, or, um, uh, or the international play, um, or both for that matter. So uh, Dave Lasson leads that initiative right now, and it's designed to increase the number and the quality of our high-performance goaltenders. What I'm most pleased with is that there is a cooperative effort connecting our goaltenders, our goaltender nation, from the grassroots now through our international programs. Now, they're different elements, but they need to work in concert so that, I, mean, I remember um, when I became president in 2003, I went to the National Team Development Program people at the time, and I said, what do we need to do better so that you have better players coming up and ready to go for you to take over to move them to the next level? And the first thing they said, you know, Ron, we have to spend two and three months, sometimes four months of our first uh, recognition with these players to uh, get them where we need to be just to start the higher performance elements. So we needed, that's when we discovered, decided to use the American development model, the two th which happened finally in 2009, um, to, um, to build that kind of um, progression up through to the national um, team development program and then further on to international play. So I've been very pleased with that cooperative effort and we need that cooperation. We can't be in silos at USA Hockey. We don't have each one of us a silo uh, that 
we can only, you know, you can't talk to me about something else. We need to be, uh, if you will, uh, cooperative in coming up to group decisions because what this is decided by one silo affects another silo, if you know what I mean. And it has to be with some common vision that is articulated is simply enough so that we all know what our roles are within that vision. Um, and we can actually expand it um, accordingly. So um, I don't know if I've answered all your questions about this, but the I, I still think there are some great opportunities and challenges facing USA Hockey, and specifically at goaltending development process. So we talked about it, Zach, in some of our meetings, where we, we have a limited number of positions in our um, our what I, I call the uh, USA Hockey's National Junior Development Program. That's with the USHL and the North American League. And those are very important positions for goaltenders. It's not like, I mean, you just have one, two, or three goaltenders that are available to share ice time. And we've lost a lot of those times with um, Europeans uh, that have come in and have been Good goaltenders, and I understand that they should have an opportunity too. But once it gets below fifty-one percent, um, we have a a concept here: fifty-one and thirty. We want fifty-one percent of the minutes played by um, twenty thirty to be played by American players in American programs or American leagues, and that includes the National Hockey League, college, all the way down to the juniors, etc. So, with that vision in mind. Um, I, I really was very happy with what happened with discussions in the Junior Council and and the great people at the USHL and, and the North American League wanting to, you know, look at the problem which we identified with some uh, research um, on the minutes played by American goalies um, in their leagues and what can we do? It it should not be given. It's got to be meritocracy. But what do we need to do to improve our development? Uh, so that we've earned those minutes appropriately. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you mentioned a, a few really interesting things that I wanted to kind of um, just point out or maybe highlight is um, I love this, that idea that you're talking about with the silos. Um, I know there's a lot of people within USA Hockey who say the same thing. And I always hear um, Bob Mancini, who's uh, my boss and he'll say breaking down silos and building synergies. And um, I love that and how that also works now with what you're talking about with Dave Lasan and, and Steve Thompson, you're really working. I mean, they're always communicating on what's going on and what is the direction. And like you said, Dave being more at that um, higher level with the NTDP, but then Steve working more at the grassroots level. And how do we, how do we connect, um, really, if I were to use Steve's words, the try, the develop, and the master stages? How do we make sure that they are very well connected so players are they're coming in, they're trying goaltending, you know, they're, they're getting into the, the, the really wanting to be a goalie, and now how do we develop them, and, and how do we get more players now, what you're mentioning, how do we get more players into that master level? Because um, there are... To your point, there's really two different roles that that are played within within USA Hockey here with the participation, but also there's there's a level of master as well um, that is important. 
Zach, I think we're on the way. We have a good strategy, and I think Steve is working on some uh, some excellent thoughts of improving. But remember what we've built here over the last four or five years. We have a cadre now of over 120 um, goaltending instructors that we've um, trained with uh the bronze and i mean the excuse me the silver and the bronze um uh, coaching program goaltending coaching program and we have the first gold one coming up and scheduled uh to be this year so this cadre of i'm going to call them again unpaid professionals going down in the grassroots in, in, in doing what they need to do within their districts and within their affiliates and addressing some of the issues that we are talking about in making not only the coaches better, not only the goaltenders better, but the whole infrastructure around goaltending better. Now, we've got some issues that we need to address. We mentioned one already. What do we do to have enough positions so that when the time comes for them to move up, there's a place for them to develop within our system? And that's that's being worked on very, very well now. But the number of people who I've seen who are in this infrastructure that uh, has been created over the last several years, they're excellent. And they're doing it from their heart and they're learning and they are motivated to learn more and they give it out. And kudos to Bob Mancini for what he is suggesting to his staff is that we need to work in synergy. Yeah, and and so you mentioned that that group of um, that group of people that are that are helping out uh, around the country really with uh, growing uh, at that grassroots level. And we just recently had um, the the goaltending summit, which was fantastic to get back together again because I think it was the last one was 2017 um, in Plymouth, and it was fantastic to get together with everyone. And I mean the amount of development that happened with the coaches and the you know, how do we grow grassroots hockey and uh, we ran that there was uh, an 8u kind of little jamboree but there was eight sets of quick change pads out there and um we ended up having two kids that stay i mean you saw two kids that stayed for all four sessions uh because and they had never tried goalie leading up to that week and I know the the family had sent a very very nice email about the kids just loving the position and um but that's really what it's all about and it's it's awesome that you mentioned that so that that was really great to get back to what else is next for usa hockey goaltending because you also mentioned the gold as well the gold that summit that just recently happened what's kind of right. next well again we we know that we have two pieces here from the grassroots point of view i really would like to see and i think steve uh, would echo this and i know he would echo this um that we want all of our 12 districts to have at least a 14 uh, u uh camp uh for uh their players within their regions to come together and become part of the hockey nation um going forward and and um I, I think that's the next step that we need to do. We're, and, and to that effort, we are trying to, through the goaltending development um, uh, fundraising group that I, I chair, 
um, we're trying to raise additional dollars for participants' payments to attend these camps. Um, and that, that I think needs to be uh, worked on. And uh, we do have many of us who are uh, contributing annually to that fund uh, for that purpose. So that, that having those goaltending camps will at least put people on the radar uh, earlier. We do need to, I think, promote our goaltenders a lot more um, from 14 on up um, in terms of at least having some kind of um, um, rating system, not to rate them for, you know, uh, you know, just to, to put them in a perspective of coming up. Because at 14, 15, 16, what, what happens then does not necessarily translate to 18, 19, 20, 21. And using the Finnish model, typically your best goalies are going to mature later on and to a high degree. I, I When I had a team uh, in the American Hockey League, I had Kiprasov, <laughs> uh, uh, Toskala, uh, Nabokov, um, you know, Hedberg, all NHL goalies, two of which were, I believe, uh, bo uh, both Kiprasov and Nabokov were um, uh, Vesna Trophy winners, or at least uh, high, the highest quality goaltenders. And we were fortunate enough, enough to have a great coach of goaltenders, Warren Stralo, that he coached our, our goaltenders. So the point here is that with great coaching and great structure, we can at least get them more known earlier so that they will be seen uh, by our leagues and they will have better opportunities for positions. And that's fantastic. And Warren Stralo also in, in doing my, a little bit of research, he also just recently won the Lester Patrick award, I believe. Right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and and well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so I, I love this. And for anyone listening, maybe they're kind of hearing some things that, that they really like and they want to know how to get involved or really I let you mentioned the uh, fund. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And if I want to get involved in contributing and helping out, how can I how can I get involved with that? Well, you can go to uh, the uh, USA Hockey Foundation page. Uh, there is a donation page and there are certain uh, items that you have to click on and that one of them is the goaltending development fund and that goaltending development fund the money would go directly into providing uh these these funds for participants who are going to be uh, needing help or wanting help or deserving of help uh for some of the programs that we provide for them uh they are uh, discounted programs anyway but uh this you know in some cases even the discounted amounts uh, that are required for these some of these programs um, uh, they can help be be a helping um, uh, donor and um, and sponsor for for these uh, scholarships yeah, that's fantastic and I just quickly went to and I'll I'll put the link in the uh, in the show notes Thank here you. for it but yeah just quickly here go to USA hockey Foundation. Uh, dot com and then right up in areas of need is the goaltending development fund so that's that's fantastic and now maybe i i want to get a little bit more involved in helping out with 
um, goalie coaching in my area. You mentioned a, a few things with the bronze and silver. What other ways can I get involved or maybe even things that I can help out with just in my small little area to help grow goaltending? Grow goaltending. Well, I, I, I think this really is more than just goaltending. I, I think right now, if if I had to identify an issue that we need to address is that I think too many of our players are under too much pressure and goaltending is one of the most pressure packed positions. Um, I, I think what we as parents and as administrators and uh, those who understand this is youth hockey. And then to me, youth hockey is anything under 18. And they are developing. No different, by the way, than our referees. They are developing, especially our, young, uh, uh, our younger referees. They're all training in hockey. This is youth hockey. This is not professional hockey. And what they do at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 is not a high barometer usually at all a barometer to what they may be when they become more mature. And the key thing is we'd like them to mature with a clearer mind. I attended uh, one of the courses that we had for the hockey summit, Zach, where um, um, Julia Elaine provided us with information on the mental side of the game and uh, working memory and things of that ilk and the distractions that people have um is going to affect their enjoyment in the game I, you know we have a very simple at least i had a very simple vision for usa hockey uh, it's to provide a fun and learning experience for hockey in the united states to make every day as bob johnson said a great day for hockey and that is a fun and learning experience. Now, there's going to be enough time when you become um, a high-performance player, whether it's a goaltender or forward or whatever, especially a goaltender, um, you, you, you've got a, a responsibility there to your teammates. Uh, but the responsibility is to yourself, your teammates, and and basically your family in my view and to, to have a standard that is acceptable but not to a point where you are looking for perfection it doesn't exist on earth uh we just should be looking for excellence and that excellence is going to be up and down our journey is not a straight line it's not a straight line to the nhl by the way to you look at the, the goaltenders that are attending now and, and playing in the NHL, there's not one pathway. So the point I'm trying to make is our issue is to reduce the stress on coaches, on players, and educate our parents accordingly. And most of our parents, 80%, 85% of them are great. But we need to worry about uh, the effect of of those who are um, going overboard 
with respect to uh, their expectations and the expectations they're putting on their kids with adverse experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you're right, it's not just goaltending, but we do know that there's a big piece to um, goaltending that uh, they go through some different things. And sometimes they put those pressures on themselves, but sometimes there's definitely some external pressure. So um, Digger, this has been fantastic. Any last thoughts before uh, before I let you go here? Because I know you got a probably a busy day ahead of you, but any last thoughts before I let you go here? No, I just I like people to realize there's a lot to like about USA hockey. We're not perfect, but no one is. But we do strive for excellence. That's fantastic. Well, Digger, like I said, I'll put uh, the USA Hockey Foundation page um, in the show notes. And then um, if someone wanted to get in contact with you to get more involved, where could they go? Well, my my phone number and, and uh, email address is all over the place, but uh um, you can you can reach me at my email address uh, ron d33 at hotmail.com which is i think in still somewhere uh in the booklets etc um and if you need to text me you can text me as well uh which has the phone number too in the in the book awesome well that's fantastic digger thank you so much thanks for everything you've done for usa hockey and everyone who made it this far thanks for listening and we'll see you all in a few weeks